we recording? <laughs> Wait, is this thing on? Seriously. Am I recording? <laughs> You're listening to Let's Get Into It, a podcast designed to help you in your life and in your business. My name is Bree Marie and I'm your host. You might have stumbled upon my blog, livingbreely.com, or taken one of my online courses, or maybe you're just learning about my work for the first time. As a business strategist, course creator, and a seasoned blogger, I've had the opportunity to sit down with number one best-selling authors, world-class experts, coaches, healers, and other online entrepreneurs who are super excited to share with you their stories, learning lessons they've had along the way, and how they continue to strive on making an impact in our world. Each week, I want to bring you two episodes full of tangible and actionable steps to inspire you to have an impactful, sustainable, and purpose-driven life and business. So let's get into it. Yo, what up? It's me, it's Brie. I'm back to, I'm not recording in the right place. I do this every time. It's always a problem when I start recording. Without fail, I have a problem. I'm not recording in the right section, but we're just going to roll with it. I can always move it up later. My editor is probably going to be like, what the hell is she doing? Anyway, so a couple of housekeeping things. And they're not even housekeeping. I don't know why I just called it that. Um, first of all, I got a portable charger for my cell phone, for my um, iPhone. Best $30 I've ever spent. It is so <laughs> convenient. I My phone dies all the time. You guys, my I run my business off of my phone and my computer. So I'm always on the phone. I'm always doing something on my phone or on my computer. And... I would literally sit (laughs) next to a wall charger and like work for like an hour so my phone could charge. And I was like, this is so frustrating. So yeah, I got a portable charger and it's the best thing ever because now my phone can charge wherever I am. And it's so cute. It's rose gold, which matches my rose gold. (laughs) iPhone case, which is so obnoxious, but like whatever, you know, we just got to roll with it. It's looking a little, my case is looking a little busted. Might need to get a new one. Um, so that's housekeeping item number two, one. Housekeeping item number two is I'm currently watching the second season of Imposters on Netflix. If you guys aren't watching it oh my god it's so good I love that show it's basically about a girl who like is a professional con artist and then it catches up to her it's a really really good show I love it third item of housekeeping is I'm currently reading if you guys are familiar with the rapper logic I actually secretly like rap music it's not a secret I mean I don't not that I need to hide that. Um, (laughs) So I love Logic. And if you don't know who he is, he sang or he sings or raps that song, the 1-800. It's like the number of the suicide hotline and it's about suicide. And then um, what is her name? Alicia, 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 
Oh, I don't know. I'm really bad with pronouncing names. Anyway, it's a good song, but like that's what I'm talking about. He actually wrote a book and he also recorded an album to go with the book. And the album is like not rap. It's like more of an indie type of vibe. And the book is actually really good. Is it the best piece of literature that I've ever read? No, but it's really good. It's called Supermarket. You can get it on Amazon for, I don't know, like, I think this was like 10 bucks. Um, and obviously the album is available everywhere albums are. So those are my three items that I just wanted to share with you. Um, so today's guest is Kelly Ann Gorman. And I actually hit Kelly up on Instagram because she also is in San Diego. And I was like, yo, I see we're kind of in the same thing. She has a podcast, which I was on. I'm going to link it down below so you can go check out the interview that we did together. I talk about the Kardashians. I talk about Kylie Jenner, but I also like talk about business stuff. So it's like a really, (laughs) I feel like it's a really good, um, like it's a collection of different sides of myself. So I really liked it. Um, but Kelly is amazing. I love her so much. Kelly helps women start successful and profitable podcasts. And we talk a little bit about that. We also talk about how she was misdiagnosed. Yeah, it's a crazy story. So incredibly touching. And for someone to have so much courage to come on the podcast and speak about it is absolutely amazing. And I am just really grateful that I took a chance and slid into Kelly's DMs and was like, hey, let's collab. And she's absolutely, you're going to be blown away by this interview. Like, I'm not even doing any, I'm like touching the surface of how amazing Kelly is. Like, yeah, I can't even finish the sentence. So I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to let you listen to this episode. All of the links for Kelly and her courses and where you can find her and the podcast episode that we did together is going to be in the episode description or the show notes, depending on what platform you are on. And I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. So let's get into it. All right. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Mean it. Hey, Kelly. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. I know, me too. So I was on Kelly's podcast. It was it coming out next week? Yes. Which is March. Um, let's look at the calendar. I should have something. Wait, yeah. Uh, 27th, I think, because the 20th was 27th. The 20th is next Wednesday. And the 27th is the following Wednesday. <laughs> oh my gosh, time is flying by. Um, yes, so it's the 20th, Wednesday. I chose this life. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll be, I'm going to link that episode in the episode description. So if you guys want to hear me talk about the Kardashians <laughs> 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 and Pinterest and 
podcasting and dating, you can totally go check out Kelly's podcast, which is called The Happy Workaholic. And Kelly is, how did we meet? I think I DM'd you on Instagram. I think we met because you had my friend Shannon on your podcast. I think mm. that's how we got connected. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I don't and know. Instagram. And then I like just slid in your DMs and I was like, yeah. um, we need to be <laughs> friends. <laughs> I forced her to be my friend. <laughs> people don't believe me when they're like, you don't slide into people's DMs. I'm like, yeah, I talk to people. Like I'm not uh, shy in any way to be like, you want to be friends? <laughs> she totally did. And, and, I'm, and I was so happy about it. <laughs> so right now we're yeah. <laughs> So Kelly is a podcast host and a coach and a podcast coach and also a podcast producer. She's got a lot going on. She's got, she does a lot. I'm so impressed by her. Um, <laughs> so Kelly, tell us a little bit more about what you do. Well, right now, so over the last couple of years, I would intro myself as a business LinkedIn coach. And then when I launched my podcast, a lot of women were reaching out to me on, you know, how to launch their own show. So I put a program together. So then I became a podcast coach. But now all of that has basically um, revamped my business. And my focus every day is just helping women launch successful and profitable podcast. All I do every day, seven days a week is listen to podcasts, coach, host, produce. My whole world is podcasting now. So it's kind of shifted into that. And I love it because it's just so inspiring listening to other women, you know, share their story and come up with content and produce their own show. I think it's such a great platform for not just women, but anybody to really get their message out. Absolutely. I agree. Why do you think podcasting is becoming such a popular medium? I think that's a really good question. I think one, um, it's great for the person that's on the go to listen, especially when they're commuting. It's a great outlet. You know, there's a lot of moms that are running around with their kids and doing laundry and need some downtime and traveling and you can listen to podcasts when you're in the car and on the go, always, anywhere, on your phone. As for podcast hosts, I think it's becoming really popular because a lot of women that I work with are afraid of video, and they don't have to do video. They can do audio, and that's where the podcast comes in. So I think it's great for both ends, and I just think it's really taken off because there's so many great and easy ways to get your message out there and also easier ways to listen. There's apps. You tune in and you hear a show and you get great content and great information. And I just think it's, it's just blowing up big time just because of those two reasons. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think it gives like an extra layer of depth and like Mm -hmm. credibility to your business, especially as a coach and a healer. Like, people really get to know you by listening to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Like that I, I can definitely agree with. Yeah. I like I share so much. <laughs> yeah. I share a lot more on my podcast than I do on any Facebook live Instagram story. Like that is my number one. Like if you want to hear me cry, like, if, well, I do have a lot of uh, videos on the internet of me crying, but, um, 
which I've left, but if you want to hear a lot more about business and, you know, personal things and, um, I just, I just share so much more on that platform now than I ever did before. Cause that's just my go-to now. I'm speaking to a whole new audience. Yeah. So what would you say to someone? Cause I get this a lot. Like whenever people ask me about my podcast, they're like, I've thought about starting one, but I'm not really sure, like, how much work is it really, like, isn't it expensive? Like, they have all these, like, things that come up about podcasting, and my thing is always, like, you can make podcasting as expensive as or inexpensive as you want. You can make it as much work as you want it to be, because everyone has, like, a different way of doing it Mm -hmm. I'm that's like my response but like I'm curious about your response when someone asks you about starting a podcast um well I agree with everything that you just said and also when it comes to investing I in the beginning for my first hundred something episodes recorded on my iPhone I still record on my iPhone and I produce on software on my desktop it just depends on if I'm out Um, If I feel like using my mic, you don't have to invest in a fancy mic, fancy software, you know, hours of content building, like you just have to start. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And my goal was, you know, once I got on iHeartRadio, I'd buy myself my amazing Blue Yeti mic. And that was a goal that I had. As Mm -hmm. far as somebody that is holding back because they're afraid, and I get that all the time, like they're just not they're kind of all over the place. Like I always say, you need to journal it out. You need to figure out a game plan. Like there's not that big of an investment, especially now with different apps that you can have your show go live, like right away and just have your message heard. You don't need to, you know, put so much thought and effort into it and have it like perfect in the very beginning. Like my first few episodes are like, (laughs) I sound like I'm 12 I was talking a mile a minute, although I still kind of do that now, but I've learned by hearing my voice repeatedly while producing shows that I need to speak in a certain manner or use my voice in a certain way when I'm talking to my audience. But I just feel like everyone that wants a podcast now, they think it's so much harder than it really is. And it's not, it's just, you know, you need a game plan and it's literally just writing a few steps down and just making it happen. And if you really want it that bad, you're going to make it happen. Right. I totally agree. How numbing is it to listen? Like it's humble. Like actually it's a humbling experience to listen to your own voice. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I literally was just watching a, a video for IGTV. I did. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my voice. And I feel like I sound so different on my podcast than I do with live video. I don't know, even though it's the same voice, but yeah, hearing your voice over and over and over again, it's very, um, yeah, it's definitely very humbling, but then you also (laughs) learn how to, you also learn how to, you know, adjust your voice and talk. I've always been loud. I'm an East coast girl. Like I talk fast. If I've had my couple coffees in the morning, like, and then I get on my mic or I start recording on my phone those shows might be a little bit quicker than one. Yeah. You know, it definitely teaches you how to use your voice for, you know, the good of the show. And, you know, you really need to sit back and think like, 
does this person really want to hear me talk like this? Or, you know, you have to pretend like as a podcast, host, like you're talking to thousands of people, like you're on stage at like speaking at like TEDx. And I try to remind myself of that all the time. But when I get really into a conversation, especially like a solo show, when I'm talking about something, I get like really into it. Right. You do too. Yeah. And then you go to listen to this, the playback. And you're like, wow, like that's really good. Or should I really put this up? <laughs> yeah. I go through that all the time. Like, I don't think people understand, like, especially like in the beginning when I was editing my own stuff. Oh, I would spend hours like recording an intro. And like, now I'm like, I just can't, I don't have the time to do that. And to me, it doesn't even matter anymore. It's not that I don't care. Like I want it to be good, but I realize it's not going to be perfect. And so I was just like aiming for like a super overproduced podcast. Like for my first couple podcasts were horrible. Like they were so overproduced. I had like questions, like, I don't know. It was just completely different than it is now. Like now I feel much, I mean, obviously, cause I do have some more experience. So I feel comfortable, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, I would just overproduce. I would like sit there and record like the same thing over and over and over again. And it was just pointless. <laughs> and I didn't, <laughs> I, do that I mean, myself. I don't know how you, how you started, but when I, started this is why I have this new program now but when I started I literally just went to Google and YouTube and figured it out like I didn't have a coach I didn't have anybody telling me helping me I just like relied on free info that's sitting on the internet and that's how I started so of course the first few shows of mine are like oh my god and then I remember that um, where I was living, the battery in our smoke alarm, it, it was so high in our vaulted ceilings, like none of us could reach it. So I was constantly trying to get away from this beep picking up oh, in my audio. Oh my God. <laughs> and you could still, I mean, it's there. It's definitely there. Um, and I, we just became immune to it. And I'm like, no broom handle can reach the smoke detector. And I'm like, oh my gosh. a podcast. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Well, when I started, I didn't have a coach either. Like, I didn't know anything about it. I just, like, really loved doing podcasts, like, being on other people's podcasts. And when I was done with the podcast, like, recording an episode, this, the woman that I had me on, she, I was like, oh, like, do you like podcasting? Like, I love doing it. Like, not even, like, asking or fishing or anything. And she was just like, you should start your own podcast. Like, it's so much fun. And I was like, really? I was like, I don't even know how to go about it. And she was like, I just use this platform. Like, you know, you can try it out or there's, like, other ones. Like, and she gave me lists. And then, I kind of like thought about it for like a split second and I was like, I'm just going to do it. So I had like a true Elle Woods moment. Like, you (laughs) know, yeah, you know, when like she goes to that party with Warner and she's like dressed in the bunny costume and he's like, you're not smart enough, like, like, or whatever. And she gets mad and she like goes to the student center and she like buys all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was me, <laughs> but not in a bunny costume. But I like went to Best Buy on like a Friday night, and I just like looked at podcasting equipment. I bought a microphone. Um, none of it worked because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I'm just gonna buy this stuff and like hope it works. And none of it like was exactly what I needed. And so then I just started recording again, like you said, on my iPhone, like just 
using what I had to the best of my ability. And just like, I'm like all about bootstrapping it in the beginning. Like don't invest <laughs> money until you know that it's something that you want to continue to do. And yeah. And then I think like three months later, that's when I finally did my research on like what microphone to get, like headphones and like all of that stuff. So you just need different. to start. That's what I always yeah. say. Like just yeah. do it. Like there's never going to be, I mean, just think of all these YouTubers. If you look back at their first video from like 10 years ago, it's going to totally, it's going to be drastically different than what it looks mm-hmm. like now with all their graphics and media and commercials. And I mean, everything I feel like starts like that, but it just really helps to share more of your journey and the story of like whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's podcasting, YouTubes, you know, any other outlet. Yeah. What are your favorite YouTubers? I love, um, who do I love to watch? I love Amy TV, Amy Landino. I love Ed Milet. Um, Gary V, obviously. Um, yeah. Because you love him. Um, who else do I watch a lot of? Honestly, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts than YouTube, but sometimes I just need to look at people. <laughs> I feel yeah. like everything is audio. Um, but I do love Ed Milet. Um, Amy Landino, Amy TV. Um, there's one that's really good. I'm actually looking on my app right now because I can't remember the name. They're really inspirational. Well, I really love um, Mel Robbins. She's amazing. Oh, of I'd course. Say my top. My top. Yeah. I'm like really interested in like the YouTube space. Like I think it's so fascinating. Like daily vlogs fascinate me. It's so much work too, but I feel like that's, that's my thought. But then again, YouTubers don't do podcasts because they think it's so much work. So it really depends on what you're um, familiar with and how you feel comfortable with certain, you know, cameras or mics or production software. And, um, but yeah, there's some like serious quality happening on YouTube right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting space. And I don't think I could ever do YouTube because I just don't like being on camera. (laughs) It like freaks me out. Like, I feel like I'm like, uh, I go, I just like completely draw a blank. Like Facebook lives are so hard for me, especially like when people start coming on and then they start asking questions, I completely lose my train of thought. Um, so I mean I I'm sure I could be coached like media trained I'm sure that's that's I need problem. notes if I don't have notes mm, yeah I'm in trouble because I will literally just start talking to people like we're sitting next to each other like at a coffee shop I'm like oh my god did you get my voicemail <laughs> <laughs> um and I did do commercials when I worked on cruise ships so I feel like that helped because though that was I was a nervous wreck when I did those and that wasn't even live but I feel like that's kind of the training I needed I guess now I just go I just go for it yeah <laughs> well especially like even when I would do like audios for my first courses like I was literally hyperventilating like I listen back and I'm like <laughs> oh my god like girlfriend calm down <laughs> Some of mine are like that, though. I'm like, uh, like, I'm like every, I'm like, and, and, <laughs> goodness, like, how does anyone listen to this? I need to go back and re-record those. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but there's also something, so um, in the, blah, 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 what am I trying to say? Included in the Happy Workaholic, work, why can't I say this? Happy Workaholic <laughs> podcast. 
That was me all day because I've been filming and recording all day. So I get the tongue tied. This is what you have to go through when you have a show and you're People busy. don't realize this. <laughs> like people are like, oh my God, someone, okay, really quick, quick tangent. Um, I was talking to someone and I had just done like all the voiceovers for the new po- podcast. And so my voice was kind of strained and I just did it. I woke up and I didn't have a voice and she was like, oh, it's your throat chakras. They need to be like cleansed. And like, do you need to do these chakra exercises and like think back to your childhood? Like, were you ever silenced as a child? And I was like, yeah, of course I was a fucking child. Like I would hope my mother silenced me. Like I needed to be quiet. Like, but I was like, and maybe I don't need, there's nothing wrong with my chakras. Maybe I've just been talking for six hours. Like, like <laughs> that's what's wrong there's nothing wrong with my throat chakras um so So the happy workaholic podcast it actually kind of there was something that changed about your whole entire brand I mean your whole entire life yeah changed (laughs) so talk to us a little bit about that okay deep breath (laughs) yeah take your Um, time So the Happy Workaholic podcast started because I was doing my online business coaching and living my best life in Vegas. And then I found out that I had this autoimmune disease. First, I was diagnosed with having MS. That led into getting misdiagnosed, well, diagnosed with this autoimmune disease called neuromyelitis optica, and it's NMO for short. And basically, you can become blind and paralyzed within seconds. And when I finally, when I got that diagnosis, I freaked, can I swear? I freaked the heck out. Okay. (laughs) Freaked the F out. (laughs) If you want my true self, I got to be able to drop the F bomb. Okay. So I totally freaked out and I was like, how am I going to make money? Oh my God. So that's when I started researching everything I needed to know about how to launch a show. How I need a podcast to make money, to share what I know. If I'm blind, I still have a loud mouth and I have a lot to share. So I need a podcast and I need it now. And so within a month, within a month I launched. And in the beginning, it was a show about business, LinkedIn, and my life with an autoimmune disease. Actually, I think I launched about luxury travel. I was talking a lot about luxury travel because I worked in the luxury travel market for years. And so I was talking a lot about social media and high-end travel and just running a business online and doing like a lot of um, Q&As and sharing like tips and tricks and all that fun stuff. And then it slowly... um, I slowly started incorporating more of my autoimmune disease. So then it became um, business LinkedIn and my life with an autoimmune disease. And it it was that for over a year. So probably um, like 80 episodes worth. Um, So I'm at 120 episodes right now. So I'd say, you know, 80% of the show is about my life with an autoimmune disease and how you can, you know, be sick and, still have a life and still run a business online and be vocal. And I share a lot about what I was personally going through and how you have to be an advocate for your health, how you have to be organized with your health. Like I can't even tell you how many shows I've done on that where 
you can't rely on professionals in the medical industry to, you know, one little typo on your medical records couldn't kill you because I, it, I've been there before. So with this autoimmune disease, I just immediately became vocal. I had to help. I was like, okay, get yourself together and get yourself on a Facebook live and you need to tell the world. I was doing YouTube videos. You just need to share this because there's no way you're going to survive without doing that. Like I just went into like, like it was go time. Like there was no holding back. I've shared my entire chemo journey, my treatments, like the last three years of being sick, it's all on the internet. It's a, there's a majority on my podcast, on my Instagram. I have my entire chemo journey there as a highlight because I feel like if I lived that life and I'm still here, you can too. And I just felt like I had it because I was strong enough to help others. So that's how my podcast started. I needed to make money. I needed to share my story and I needed an outlet that just... I needed to learn it quick and just make it happen. So that's how my show actually started. And then cut to <laughs> a couple months ago. Um, so I was in Vegas when this all happened. And I just moved back to San Diego after six years being in Vegas to see a specialist for this disease because I had already gone through the top five neurologists in the city in Vegas. So it just, it was time to, I had already done 10 rounds of chemo. I've done multiple blood transfusions, like lived in hospitals. Like I was done. Like I needed a, another specialist to figure out like, do I really need to do chemo twice a year from now on for the rest of my life? Like, that's just not like, is this for sure happening? Because I need to like mentally prepare myself that like I'm having chemo twice a year for the rest of my life. Like I just couldn't get there because I felt like it was wrong you know, when you have that feeling in your gut and you're just like, nope. So I, after going through, I mean, that's why I went through so many neurologists because I kept getting diagnosed with something else. So finally, when I did get that diagnosis of MS, I mean, um, NMO, I did um, all the treatments and all of that. So last spring is when I came back to San Diego and I came for a specialist and I brought him all 25 of my MRIs. He had all of my paperwork and everything. And he was so shocked. I'm like, listen, I run a business online and I have podcasts about this. I'm the most organized patient you will ever meet. Here is my entire file. And he was, he didn't even know what to do with himself. And all the <laughs> nurses were like, oh my God, like, who are you? And I'm like, I have to save my own life. So this is how it's going to be done. And so um, they were so nice. And then he told me, no, you do not have this. You do not have cancer. These tumors are gone. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, what, what do I have? He's like, you don't have cancer. I'm like, okay. So like, I don't understand what you have. He's like, nothing. And he said it so nonchalantly. And I was already hysterically crying. Like this has been one emotional roller coaster for like, like the yeah. last two years. And I fought him on it. I'll never forget. I took an Uber back from the hospital to my friend's house and I was talking to my Uber driver and he too had a friend. This is why you always need to talk to your Lyft and Uber drivers because you're always going to have like the best conversation, like get off your cell phone and talk to the driver. Right. He had a friend that was misdiagnosed and he had a crazy story. So I, I couldn't comprehend how I just lived this like sickening life. Like I was so sick for like, 
three years and now nothing is wrong with me. Like, I don't understand what you're saying to me. Like, this is a complete lie. So I fought him on it. So I then went and got a specialist at UCLA. I consulted with them. I consulted with John Hopkins on the East Coast. And then I got the top expert in the world at Mayo Clinic. And they've all agreed, and I have it in writing, that I was 100, like 50% that I no longer have this disease that has no, there's no cure for NMO. I was misdiagnosed. So. That is just so crazy to me. Yeah. And. Oh my gosh. It's really hard. I think the hardest part for me was, um you know, I became so involved in this community of other patients and I'm always vocal in the groups, like helping them. And it became really hard when I was sharing, you know, I I remember I posted in the Facebook group an episode saying I was misdiagnosed and I'm like hysterically crying. And I got so many messages and they were mad, like mad at me, like, and like telling me I was wrong. Like, but you've had all the symptoms you tested positive you know, once you have chemo and steroids in your system, it suppresses your system. So when you get your labs done, it will show negative, even though you still are positive. But that wasn't the case for me because what was happening was I had a false positive and all of the drugs and medications and all of that gave me the symptoms, the same mm. as NMO. So oh I think that sharing it with that community like looking uh, like half of me feels like I wish I didn't do it because I feel like haha I don't have it anymore but that's not what I was doing I was just sharing it again to like help more people like there's still like hundreds in the group that and this is so rare this disease there's 4,000 in the U.S. it's like super rare and um a lot of them are still getting the diagnosis that they have MS because it's very common and very similar to it and so that's why I was diagnosed with MS in the beginning. And that's why I went through so many neurologists. Cause I'm like, I don't have MS. Like there's no way. And I just had to keep getting, you know, rounds of MRIs and more tests and labs and like this whole, you know, shenanigan of medical stuff. So I feel like when I shared it with them, like I pissed a lot of people off. They were like, well, I want to be cured. I, I want your life. I want it with that. And I felt really bad about that, but I was just saying like, you need to continue to fight. Like, stop listening to people and get your like you know 10th opinion I've had 10 medical professionals involved in this I've had five in Vegas I had um somebody else and then the three I just mentioned so that's 10 10 people and this was my job this was my full-time job so it's a pretty crazy story I'm still you know I'm going through a lot now because I wasn't on um I'm not on medications anymore. I was on 12 medications. Usually it takes months, years to wean yourself off. I did it in two and a half weeks, which definitely wasn't the smartest, but I was just over it. And one of these like toxins out of my system. Oh my so that's gosh. when I hopped on this celery juice train and that was great for a while. But now I'm really feeling like a lot of stuff, like my anxiety, my depression, my insomnia, like all that shit's coming back because my body is like still confused because it's not on all of these medications and chemos and like all these things. So I just continue to share my story when people ask. And right now I'm dealing with the legal side of it, which is also another nightmare, which will be another three years. Um, But I really just think that 
if you're strong enough to share your story, you have to do it. And trust me, I, there are so many Facebook lives and YouTube videos on the internet of me crying. I look so sick. I'm my face is like so thin. I'm shaking like, um, like, um, what do you call it? Uh, I can't think of the name, but I'm shaking so bad. My voice quivers. Like, this is me. I'm like a mile a minute all the time, like my normal self. And I can't, I'm, I'm like waiting for the second, like the words to come out of my mouth when I watch those videos. I'm so doped up. And to look back at that and to think about it, I'm like, no, I'm keeping all of those videos because I need to help as many people as I can. Like even now in San Diego, I'm trying to find jobs at this one particular place that basically saved my life to help other patients, either cancer patients or um, other patients dealing with autoimmune diseases, because I have the experiences of both. I have the experience of being the patient and on the other side, you know? So I just feel like I was given this and lucky enough to come out of it somehow that I can continue to share my story and just help as many people as I can. And that's just why I've just, I mean, it was a part of my brand. It was a part of my podcast and my business. And so I just had to rebrand just a couple months ago. And that was really hard. <laughs> that was really hard. here. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I totally know how valuable your time is and I love that you're spending it by tuning into this episode. If you've been listening for a while or maybe this is your first time, it would mean so much to me if you dropped a review or star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you really loved this episode and you know someone who, um, hint, hint, cough, cough, would love this episode as well and find it valuable, please share it with them. Thanks again for listening and let's get back into it. Yeah, I can only um, imagine. I mean, yeah. oh, I mean, a I'm really long story. That's a short version. Yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful that like you're willing to talk about it and like are so open about it because I feel like a lot of people wouldn't want to talk about it or like, mm-hmm. you know, but I think like, what's that one quote? Like when you share your story, you heal yourself and you heal someone else. Oh my God, I hope that works. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think like just, I think even just being, speaking about being an advocate for your own health. I mean, even if you don't have a diagnosis like NMO, it could be any diagnosis of like standing up and taking charge for your own health. There's a plane going over. Sorry guys. Um, 
and I have a helicopter now. <laughs> like a couple minutes away. <laughs> yeah, so fun. Um, well, I live right by, so that's why I get like the small planes that fly really close to the ground. <laughs> yeah, really low. I'm like, it's my dream. Every time I dro- drive by there, I'm like, one day I'm gonna take a private jet out of this <laughs> airport. Um, but yeah, I think you know to even just be your own advocate for for your health, no matter what disease or diagnosis you have is so important. But like what triggered you, I don't want to say triggered, that's not the right word, but like what made you, like, because I feel like most people, when they get a diagnosis from their doctor, they take it at face value and they're like, I have this thing, I have to do all this stuff, and this is just how it's going to be. But you weren't like that. Like, you're an anomaly just like your misdiagnosis. Like, you were like, no. <laughs> like, I'm going to do the research. Like, I'm going to do these things. Like, I, to kind of – like, you were just such an advocate for your own health. Like, what was it inside of you that made you want to fight for your life? Well, one part of the, one part of the story I forgot to mention was how this all started and how it started was I was actually scheduled for a surgery to remove fibroids, which has nothing to do with NMO. And my surgeon said at my pre-op, which is 7 days prior to my surgery, Kelly, you have these crazy symptoms. You've been having them. I just, now that you're telling me this, like, I don't feel comfortable operating. I need you to be seen by a neurologist for me to feel okay to perform this surgery because I was forgetting a lot. I was having like all these other crazy symptoms. And she said, it sounds like you have MS or you're about to have a stroke. Mm. And so that's what got me to the neurologist. And if most of you that are, uh, for those of you listening, when you have to call insurance and get a specialty doctor, and I mean, that's like a month ahead. I was like, oh, hell no. I'm going to be seen right away. I was there the next day and I got cleared within three and I had the surgery the day I was supposed to. And so that's how this whole thing started was my surgeon listening, listening to what, what I had. And when I was there for that surgery, the anesthesiologist, who I spent a lot of time with because I had no veins, <laughs> um, wanted to make sure that he knew that I had MS, they, like my, my records were correct, and that's not always the case. So when I was diagnosed with MS um, from my MRIs and a bunch of other tests I had done from the first neurologist, I had sent those scans to a friend. And he read them and he said, that's not MS, that's NMO. And that's why I questioned it. So I went to my second neurologist who then said, oh, you're extra, extra rare. You actually have both. And I'm like, no, that's, you cannot have both. Like you, you can't take an MS drug when you have NMO. If you test positive for JCV virus, which most of us have, but doesn't really mean anything unless you bring in um, medications into the situation, you can get a brain infection and literally drop dead. And those meds were in my fridge. <laughs> oh my God. And um, so that's how it actually started. That's how, what got me to the first neurologist. What made me, to answer your question, fight is 
I was told by another extremely well-versed, educated doctor that read my actual scan, that's not MS. So that's what made me start to fight. And then I think like there's just so much inconsistency with diagnosis that like you Mm -hmm. were like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. Was it, do you have like a moment? I'm sorry if I'm asking so many questions, you can tell me to stop. Um, No, I'll I'll answer every one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever have a moment where you were like, you just knew in your gut that you were misdiagnosed, that you were like, this just isn't right. This doesn't feel right. Every, with the NMO. Yeah. No, I thought, um, with the MS, yes. And then when I found out I was hospitalized for nine days, that's when I had the third, fourth and fifth neurologist in Vegas. And it's like, I won a court case. I was fighting like my entire life. I was like, I know I have NMO and I need it on paper. I have all the symptoms. I have all the lesions. I have all the tumors. Everything is positive. You can see everything in my scans. Like why isn't anybody telling me like you have NMO? Like I need it written down and spending nine days, as you can imagine, is very long in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. I'd never been in the hospital longer than like overnight. So it was like literally being in jail. I couldn't even go outside. And on the fourth day they came back after running all my MRIs again, my labs again, spinal taps again, I had a five day blood transfusion and they all came in in their white coats and said, you were right. And I had it in writing. And I fought to, I fought to get the diagnosis of NMO. And so when I finally had that, that's when I started my chemo. And that was also very, I was told here when I was in San Diego, I was told that I was overdosed and that the normal protocol for that is actually twice a year, but I started off every week. I was going once a week for chemo and then once a month. And in the beginning, I, I was like, if you've ever been on steroids, you're like a mile a minute, and then you just crash. Right. And, and that's what the first few chemos for me were like. And then I started losing all my hair. Then I started being in, you know, bedridden for seven days and couldn't even lift my finger in my bed without it feeling like a truck ran over me. That's all I can remember. A lot of it's a blur. Some, some I still have to ask my, my old roommate, like, did that happen? Because I have no recollection. My memory is just shot from like all that, all those drugs in my system. But I always was fighting for the diagnosis of NMO because I had every single symptom. And so when I finally got it, I felt good. And then, well, obviously didn't feel good, but I felt good that I got my answer, right? I have it on paper. I have it in writing. It's on my charts. And when I started doing the chemo, it was just so much. I'm like, I need a specialist. Like I ran out of doctors. It was either go to the Mayo Clinic for 10 grand cash in like in pocket. And they won't even see you until you're paid up front. And, um, like 60 minutes prior to arrival. And I I needed a specialist. I needed somebody to really look at everything I have going on and tell me like, do I really need this? I don't know. That's when I had that feeling again. Like, okay, I can, I can deal with the fact that I have chemo twice a year, but it's for the rest of your life. So many people would just assume I had cancer because I said the word chemo, but chemo, there's different variations of chemo and it's right. have it for like a lot of other diseases. 
but you have it for a course for like a couple rounds and you're, and you're good for this. I had it for the rest of my life. So that's like, you have to, and then that part was really hard emotionally trying to mentally prepare myself because if you're used to getting it every week and every month, it's like, you're used to it. That's your game plan. But then when you go a longer time, like six months, you have to get back into that mode. And it honestly scared the shit out of me. And I had a metal port because like I said earlier, I have no veins. So I had to have a surgery to get a metal port device um, implanted in my neck and my chest that I could receive the chemo a lot easily, more easier. And, um, you know, that was starting, that was starting to bother me. Um, I felt like it was in wrong and every month I would have to go to the ER to get it flushed just to make sure it would work if I wasn't getting the chemo. But I felt like there was another way to fix this. Like there was another, like I didn't need the chemo. So I started having like second thoughts. Like, I don't think I can do this again. I don't think I can really, okay, I can do it twice a year, but like there's something else is going on. Like I just had, I started like questioning things again. Who was like, like, I mean, chemo is intense. Like, I mean, I've never had it, but like, I know my grandma had bladder cancer. Like I've seen, I've had family friends who have had cancer and it's like, a th- it's like not like you like you go to the dentist and you get a shot and you come home and lay down <laughs> for an hour. Like, it's intense. So like who was support, like what was your support system like? Like who was helping you like making, like, I mean, I even think of like the most basic things like making you food, like making sure your sheets were clean, like those types of things. My best friend, my roommate. Oh my God. And I always had, um, like my, chemo bag you know I always joke like um you'll see on my Instagram like I always take pictures of like if I got a new chemo bag you know all the moms that have their hospital bag ready to go (laughs) ready to give birth and I always have my chemo bag and ironically many many years ago I was a personal assistant for someone and her mother had cancer and my personal assistant job somehow ended up being coming her caretaker in New York City so I knew how this worked, which is so crazy. So I knew, and I had to prepare everything for her. So I knew what to bring. I was like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I'll bring my cold foods, my hot foods, my sweater, my ice pack, my face mask, my comfy socks, my special chemo blanket. Like I'm the most high maintenance chemo patient there is. Like I brought it all. (laughs) (laughs) I went prepared. (laughs) But when it came time to, which is so crazy that like I lived that life before it, prepared me for, I went into it as a job, which you shouldn't do, but that's how I was able to cope with it and how I was able to just get it done. And there was a couple of times I was hooked up to oxygen and having like major panic attacks. Cause like sometimes you just can't win that mental battle. But, um, when I would come home, it was always my best friend, like her and her boyfriend helping me with everything. Like it was unbelievable. I mean, we're like sisters, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's insane. Um, yeah, because I would feel that having a good support system is what really helps you. Mm-hmm. My, my friends, 100%. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the documentary Heal on Netflix yet? 
Oh my God. That documentary blew my mind. And I'm actually having um, those producers and the director on my show soon. I reached out to them. I, I could not believe like what I didn't want to watch it in the beginning because I wasn't like emotionally ready to go right. through that all because obviously then I think about my own life. But I, I knew I needed to hear what they were saying. And I was just like mind blown. And that's something, if you guys haven't seen it, you're going to watch it five times because yeah. you need to rehear, like hear everything that they say over and over and over again. I've never been so floored in my life, but basically stress and trauma cause all of these problems in our life. And I agree with that mm -hmm. 100%. And it's probably the best documentary I've ever seen in my life. So if you guys haven't seen it, you need to get on Netflix and watch it. I mean, I was blown away. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm super excited to hear that podcast episode because I know I like, there was just so many questions. And I mean, I've always been into alternative healing medicines and duet modalities. Like ever mm -hmm. since I was a little kid, I had mono really bad when I was in high school. And the only thing that really saved me was acupuncture, acupuncture and Chinese um, medicine, like herbs and supplements and things like that. So I've always just been such a huge advocate for it. So to like see the different ways and like just the way that we're expanding healthcare in general. I mean, I wish that we could get insurance provided. It's a whole nother conversation, but like I wish insurance oh my God, providers like would cover things like acupuncture and like these alternative medicine practices. Um, but yeah, stress and lack of sleep and trauma are and diet. Like, food, yeah. I feel like food for I'm 40. So I feel like, you know, many years ago when I was younger, I feel like, you know, eating certain things like gluten and sugar and like all this stuff, like it really adds up in our bodies. And I feel like that is a trigger for like a lot of things that you can become sick with. And I try now, I'm trying to juice more. I'm trying to, you know, do all these things to heal. And I, I feel like I started a good healing process because now I'm just focused on healing, right? But right. Right now that I'm still having like these crazy withdrawals come out of nowhere, like I was fine for weeks and now they're back and I just need to concentrate on healing. When I watched heal, I was like, I am not healing the way I need to be healing. <laughs> I learned so much from that one documentary. It's insane. Oh my gosh. I know it's so good. And I like love, I want to know the guy who did, um, the biker, not rich roll in the beginning. Oh, um, no, no, no. It was the guy who they were in that room and he was like the one, it was like all those people were sitting there watching and they was like doing stuff with his hands and like the person would sit in the chair. Um, I forgot his name. Uh, almost like a Reiki kind of thing. Yeah. But he was like, the person would sit in the chair and then he would like sit, stand above them and like do stuff with his hands. And then everyone in the room was like sitting there watching. Oh, and, um, the actress that has, um, MS was there. Yes. Yes. And everybody was crying like, oh my God. Yeah. And he said he, he was, um, grown up very in a religious family but now he turned spiritual and he just it's almost like a um 
oh, I forget what you call it, but yeah. Oh my God. I know exactly. Okay. I know which guy you're talking about. That was yeah. insane. I was I, crying. I want <laughs> to like, oh yeah. I cried like five minutes into the documentary. Um, health stuff gives me like such anxiety too. Um, but no, I like wanted, I want to like go and see him. Like I want to like do one of his sessions. Like he just seems so like, it just seems really interesting. I think it would be life changing. I mean, I would, if I had the opportunity to sit down with like all of those people, like any of them, I'd take any of them. (laughs) Oh my God, me too. Can we go together? What if we just tag team, we get half and half and we'll... (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. We can, like, probably, we'll be like, okay, listen, we have podcasts. Like, we'll go in. (laughs) We can sponsor you. (laughs) We can get you clients. (laughs) We can get you sponsorships. (laughs) So, moving past having a misdiagnosis and going through this whole health journey, now you're really hitting the business stuff, like, full force. And... What has been, I mean, I feel like this is such a silly question to ask, but like, what's been the biggest motivator to really push you towards building out your business more? Definitely having a second chance at life for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have one and I feel like if I don't get up and get my butt to the beach, which is five minutes from my house, which is exactly what I wanted months ago. There's no reason, like, there's no reason why I can't do something today. There's nothing holding me back. Where before I had all these things holding me back. Like, years ago or even months ago, I'm like, oh, I have no makeup on. I really need to do a Facebook Live. I need to be, like, seen more to get more clients online, but I have no makeup on. Now I get up, I throw on a hat, no makeup, I get on because I'm not worried about that. I don't care. <laughs> I right. Just get on and I want to help more people and just staying motivated is just like my number one motivator is just being able to get up. I can get up every morning. I can do anything I want. That's all I think about. Like yeah. that's, that's my only reason. If I'm and awake, I, I can I take over like the world. I feel like people <laughs> lose that perspective. Like healthy people lose that perspective. Oh, absolutely. Like, because they never know what, I mean, I'm, I'm healthy. So like, I'm part of this. I'm not shaming anyone, but like the fact that you can like get up and like make yourself breakfast and like take your Mm -hmm. dog for a walk or get in your car and drive where you want to go to get food, to go to the beach, to like go visit a friend. Like you are so incredibly grateful that it doesn't take, you know, a caregiver or a parent or a best friend to help you do the smallest things. Um, And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, I think it's so amazing. And I think it's such a valuable thing to have, to have that perspective of like, I can do it. Like, this is, if I, like, I always think like, if you're not meant to do something, like, as long as you still have air in your lungs, you're not done fulfilling your purpose. Exactly. And I do get subtle reminders. So I do have like little wake up calls. And it's so funny because they always come when I need it. Right. Thanks. Of course. I have these crazy vertigo things that happen now. And it's part of withdrawing from all these medications. And it's also stress. I'm still stressed out because now I'm about to do this again for three years, but in a legal way. And 
it's also inner ear related, but I get vertigo so bad to the point where I lose feeling of my body. And it feels like it lasts for 10 minutes and it's only like a couple seconds or like a minute and then it all comes back. It's almost like pins and needles. Mm -hmm. And so I've been getting that and I got it when I was driving once. I think I told you this story. You did. Yeah. Terrifying. I was driving and it scared the shit out of me and they thought I was having a stroke and I was having, um, I'm having seizures now because of withdrawing from all of these medications I was on, but now it's vertigo. So it'll just come out of nowhere. I'll be on my computer typing and all of a sudden everything starts spinning. And now I just need to, you know, I am very busy with my business, but I need to stop and breathe and meditate and just like slow the F down sometimes because I feel like stress and running around like that triggers it. But also just sitting there thinking about too many things at once triggers it, which is really weird. Um, there's very there's a lot of different variations of vert- vertigo. And that is my little subtle wake-up call where this is all that you have. Like, this is the only thing that can happen to you right now. Like, you're good. Like, why are you com- – like, there's no reason to complain. There's no reason why you can't finish this to-do list and go live your best damn life. Like, do whatever the hell you want because you can. Right. But that's my little subtlety that I've been getting lately. <laughs> like, friendly reminder. <laughs> yeah, to take care of yourself. I think especially when you own your own business, it's so, so important. Oh, God, yeah. Mentally, physically, emotionally, all the ways, right? <laughs> yeah, everything that you can do. I think I spend – a lot of my money on stuff to like make me healthy, healthier, mm-hmm. to sleep better, to eat better, to exercise better. Um, and I find when I'm in that really healthy space, that's when I generate the most income. I agree. So, ending on a positive note, where yeah. can everyone find you on social media? What courses do you have? How can people contact you? Okay, so you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Happy Workaholic. My website is thehappyworkaholic.com, and everything you need to know about me is located there. My bio, my podcast, all my coaching programs. As I mentioned earlier, podcasting is my life right now, so I have a bunch of um, podcast programs. I have a brand new one I just launched called Start Your Podcast Today. And my other one is called Your Podcast Production. So whether you're just starting, just thinking about launching a show, content creation, buying a domain, finding your music, to, okay, it's go time. Let's produce this thing. Let's launch it. Let's get you listeners. I have programs for all of it. So it took me months to put something like this together and I really wanted to do it because so many people were reaching out as they do for you, right? Like, how did you do this? And that's why I did it because podcasting has changed my life. It's giving me a whole nother platform to share my story and share, you know, tips and tricks about business. And I just want to help as many people as possible, whether it's in their personal or professional life. And you know, we were just talking about stats of our shows earlier. And the fact that I look at my stats, I used to look every day, 
you know, who doesn't do that every day when you start something new? And the fact that I'm in 50 countries right now is just like mind blowing. And I'm like, this is why I'm doing this. 50 countries are listening. <laughs> I have a lot to it's share. Amazing. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's so exciting. And all of the links that she just mentioned are going to be in the episode or show notes down below. So you can swipe up if you're on iTunes and all of those links will be there. And, and let's put the link when you're on my show. Yeah. And I'll have the, to hear your story. Yeah. I'll have the link for the, sh- the episode that I did with Kelly on her podcast in there as well. That was a so, fun yeah. show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. One more thing. If you loved this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Head over to my Instagram and tag me at livingbreely with you listening to this episode. I'd love to hear from you, see you, connect with you, and know which episodes and interviews you're finding valuable. For any courses, freebies, or blog posts mentioned in this episode, you can head over to livingbreely.com or check out the show notes below.